Hey friends, Emma here. I've been out sick over the last few days, so good friends of the podcast, Nathan Wagnon and Hannah Stobbs, jumped in. That said, throughout the next few days, you'll get to hear snippets of their conversations, and I'll add some of my own commentary, so the episodes may be a tiny bit longer. As we start the book of Song of Solomon, I wanted to give you a heads up that the content is, in nature, very adult. In fact, during the days of the early church, young boys were not allowed to read Song of Solomon until they had thoroughly studied and sometimes memorized all of the Pentateuch, all of the historical books, all of the prophets, except Ezekiel, and all of the poetical books. Once they had done this, then they could study Song of Solomon. So that said, if you're listening with children or minors around or nearby, we'd recommend you listen by yourself first before listening with kids. And before we jump into Nathan and Hannah's conversation, here are three things I want us to remember. Number one, some scholars believe Solomon wrote it, others don't. No matter what you think in regard to authorship, we are certain the book belongs in our Bibles. Number two, this book is full of poetry with a lot of springtime imagery depicting a romantic relationship between a man and a woman. And number three, in the ancient Near East, there was a lot of sexual dysfunction. People operated outside of God's design. But this book celebrates God's design, and the book provides a clear standard of God's design for sexual love. Let's jump in. All right now, if we're honest, reading the Bible consistently can be a challenge, but it's never too late to start, and we're in this together. This is the Join the Journey podcast. So let's just jump into Song of Solomon 1. Why have a whole book of the Bible dedicated to romantic love? Why do you yeah. think that? What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, totally. So in, in the ancient Near East, this is definitely a genre of, of literature. Not sure, just, sure, sure. I mean, you have wisdom literature. Part of wisdom literature is, is poetry. Part of poetry is romantic poetry okay. or love poetry is what they'll call it. It exists in, I mean, obviously, as long as humans have existed, there's been human love. Right, so right. it exists in, in Sumerian literature, Akkadian literature, um, Arabic literature, Egyptian literature. So it's not like— This is not uncommon no, for this time. No, 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 right, not at right. all. And, and frankly, it would be exceedingly odd if the Hebrew text didn't have it mm, in yeah. there. Because as everybody knows, like this is very much a part of human life. Yeah. And so I think that's why it's in there. It's also attested to Solomon. Yeah. And so you have kind of the uh, the Solomon literature body of work, so to speak. Obviously, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, sure, sure. and then the Song of Songs. Right. So um, that's why it's in it's in here. It's interesting too. Like so many people have not known what to do with this. Right. And uh, so hopefully over the next five episodes, we can provide some clarity on that. Yeah, that sounds great. So when we get to the first chapter, again, it's called the Song of Songs. So mm -hmm. like the ultimate song, like the best one. Yeah, 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 totally. So take us there. What, is, what do you have to say about yeah, that? Yeah, so in Hebrew, the way they translate it is, it literally is the 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 song right. of all the songs. And so there's this kind of superiority about it or something like that. Yeah, and, and then, of course, it's attested to Solomon. And so um, the, I think it speaks to the uniqueness of it. Um, some scholars, I mean, really, the, the whole scholarly community all down through the years has yeah. debated what exactly is this thing? Sure. Is it Solomon 
does is Solomon writing it? Hmm. I personally don't think so. I think it's attributed to Solomon. Okay. Um, just uh, yeah, I mean, more often than not, the way the Hebrew text comes together is you have a variety of authors and and poems that end up getting compiled okay. and then attributed to someone, which is not uncommon in the ancient world. Like this should not surprise us when people are like, "What?" It's like you just don't. <laughs> You just don't understand. Sure. Um, it's not a problem. I mean, it's the same thing. The same thing happens uh, throughout the rest of the, of the Bible. And so it's this love poem. Um, I do think, again, <laughs> there are a lot of different ways to take this. Yeah. Is it the same story the whole time? Right, right. Is it a series of, of, of unrelated poems okay. with one another? I personally think that the way that it's organized, it is telling a continuous story between a man and a woman. Sure. Interestingly, this is curious for the world we live in today, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. In the ancient world, whenever there's love poetry, it's always between a a man and a woman. So it's gendered, Mm -hmm. which is super interesting, right? Because now we're like, well, wasn't wasn't homosexuality like? Like, no, it's always a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, So is it the same man and woman? And I I think, given the, the totality of it, that that is what it is. Sure. So, yeah, it starts off. And um, uh, there's a few points that need to be made before we kind of launch into chapter one. Okay. Um, and these are overall going to drive our conversation through the rest of, yeah, of, of yeah. the book. Okay. One is uh, this text has been allegorized like crazy <laughs> down through the ages. Like, I mean, people have called it you know, it's not really about human. It's not really about human love or or human sexuality, yeah. or even you know any anything to do with that. It's you know that's kind of like a metaphor. It's allegorized, and really, it ultimately what it means is like me and God kind of thing. Like, and so you'll see. Hmm. I mean, we sing songs about it, like "I am my beloved, and He is mine, and His right. banner over me is love." <laughs> and we sing that to God, right? Right, right. And so we're. There's a lot of confusion around this. Right. Um, and so I would just say from the outset, to be super clear, this is definitely a piece of literature that is about human sex. Yep. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about sexual love. It's it's erotic literature. Yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> Yeah. Anytime people are like, this is about, you know, this is about me and the Lord. It just gets weird. Yeah. Like, you know? why do you, why'd you have to turn it? There? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Why now, do you, why do you think people do that? Like, why why do you think people people are super uncomfortable with it? Yeah. So it's like, man, if I can allegorize this and make it where it's not about that dude having sex with that woman, then, you know, maybe, sure, you know, sure. our, our Puritan, you know, kind of more purit- <laughs> puritanical roots sure. that are uncomfortable, you know, speaking about this or whatever. Yeah. And yet here it is in the middle of the biblical text. And we have to deal with that because right. I, and this is, this gets to another point is that God deeply cares about sexual love. Yeah. And this is, there are definitely aspects of this that, that are celebrated mm-hmm. by the community, by the friends in the, in the context of the love story, of yeah. the love story where people are admonishing them. Yeah. Like go, go That's have sex, thing. be yeah. drunk with love, yeah, literally. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, like I said before, it would be exceedingly odd if, if uh, if the conversation about this wasn't in the text anywhere, right. you know, so that that's an interesting point as well. Mm-hmm. I think too is that at the end of the day, this is super interesting because I think it also is serving as a critique against Solomon. 
Why do you say that? Because he had so many wives and Mm -hmm. concubines. Yeah. And like, as we'll see, as we go through it, like the, the, the woman in the, the young maiden or the, the woman in the story is consistently yearning for her lover and he is consistently gone. Hmm. And then, and then at the end of the book, at the, in chapter eight, she goes, she goes, I wish that you were like my brother so that we could have this relationship behind closed doors and not be scorned in public. Mm. So she is being shunned um, by the community. I mean, in chapter, was it chapter seven? They beat her, Mm -hmm. right? Because she's chasing after him. Right, right. And so there's just this, there, there is this sense of, yeah, this is a beautiful act and the, the human passion should be celebrated. And also you ultimately, you guys are doing it wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Right? The woman is being exploited. Yeah. She is not, uh, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, he he's gone. Yeah. She is not being taken in and cherished and loved. And again, that speaks to the mistake of Solomon, right? Who was attributed to literally dozens and dozens and dozens of wives and hundreds of concubines. And it's like, hey, man. Right. Yeah. So when we come to a book like this, as we're going to read and even learn for the next couple of days, how do we come to it with the right perspective? How mm-hmm. do we come to it with, how can I, again, as a lot of people read the Bible, what does this teach me about God? Yep. How do I apply these yeah, things yeah. in my life today? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, um, you have the this sense, uh, I mean, any good solid hermeneutic, which is a methodology for studying the Bible, correct, would say, hey, consider the, consider the historical, grammatical, literary context. Yeah. It's poetry, Yep. right? Um, from a from a historical standpoint, it definitely fits within that genre of love poetry. Mm-hmm. So we should expect for it to do the things that it's doing. Mm-hmm. Like it shouldn't surprise you when it very explicitly is describing the sex act, right? Um, and and then also it's like, okay, well, what what is what does this teach us about God? Yeah. And I think the answer is God. God made us male and female. Yep. He created sex. This is a really, really, really good thing. Like, there's nothing dirty about it. There's nothing, like, there's nothing shameful about it. There's, I mean, far from it. I mean, the if anybody in the world should stand up and celebrate sex, sexual intercourse, mm-hmm. it's Christians. Yeah. Like, our God made us like this, mm-hmm. right? Now, I think, again, the warning becomes... As long as it stays in the way that God created it. That's great. Right? Yep. And that's, again, what we see, you know, by the end of the book. For sure. And I think that, that you could say that about anything. Oh, for sure. With the Bible. Yep, with that's right. any of these things that God has given us as a good thing, as soon as it becomes an idol, that's when it's lost. That's when it's, oh, we're, we're celebrating the gift over the giver. Yeah. As soon, yeah. As soon as, as soon as you're like, you know what, Lord, I think I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, well, yeah, no. I mean, like Lewis said, he was like, yeah, when that happens, then... Then uh, the thing that you're the thing that you're worshiping becomes a demon, and it and it kills it kills you, and then it kills itself. For sure. And you know, other people like Bonhoeffer and others yeah. have talked about it. Have talked about especially sexual desire yeah. um, as uh, a fire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, in the fireplace, it warms the whole house. It's a but blessing. Man, it's if a good it thing. Gets out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will, tick, tick, it will burn the house down. For so, sure. Yeah. Nathan, any final thoughts for us? Yeah. I mean, I think as we think about any kind of introduction to a book of the Bible, um, again, you have to consider all those things that we mentioned. 
And then I would just say this is unique. And so like take it for what take it for what it is. And uh, when when something is confusing, which there's a there's definitely language here that's outside of our cultural context. Mm-hmm. Then just be curious about it. I mean, we live in an information age, which is a real uh, can be a a huge blessing. And so you know, go go look stuff up. Yeah. Um, and and hey, why is it like this? And find a good find a good resource resource or a commentary or something like that that can shine light um, because it it really is a rich yeah um, book. So don't shy away from it. Sure. Um, engage it. I mean, there, it, it's it is inspired scripture. Yep. And so. Um, don't be careless with it, hmm. um, but uh, but definitely see it as a gift from the Lord. I love that you just said, don't be careless with it, but see it as a gift from the Lord. And mm. that's how we should view all of Scripture. So, For sure. Awesome. Nathan, thanks for being here. Yeah, Hannah, absolutely. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.